Today on CityCast Boise, what if e-bikes are the solution to getting more people out of their car? We're talking with the guy behind a new pedal-assisted program from Valley Regional Transit. Dave Foch is not new to the world of public bike shares. He used to run the Boise Green Bike program before it ended in 2020. He's pretty sure, though, that this time, things will be different. It's Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. I am a programs manager. No, wait a minute. I'm programs director. I just demoted (laughs) myself. Damn it. Dave, thank you so much for coming on uh, CityCast Boise to tell us about this new pilot program for e-bikes. I'm happy to be here. Okay, I want to know, where did this idea come from originally? Was it something that the community was asking for, that you heard from people that they wanted this? Or was it something that you folks at Valley Regional Transit came up with? Where did it come from? Well, as you may know, we did run a bike share program for five and a half years, dating back to uh, April of 2015. That was the Boise Green Bike System. And that was a pedal-only bike system. And uh, we started to run into some uh, technical difficulties with our old bikes. And so we were looking at our technology becoming obsolete and we wanted to transition to the latest technology, which was electric assist bikes. We were looking at uh, our sister city of uh, Salt Lake. They started adding e-bikes to their system and uh, they were seeing anywhere from two to three times the number of rides on their e-bikes as they were on their pedal only bikes. Wow. So it seemed uh, apparent to me that that was the direction to go in. So how does it work? I downloaded the the app, the Val e-bike app, which, uh, yeah, we'll put a link to it in our show notes for people just to make sure they can find the app. But um, once you do that, what's what's next? How does it work? And how do you make sure that you get the bike back where it's supposed to be and, and from beginning to end of your ride? Well, it's uh, it's pretty simple. If you have downloaded the app and created an account, which means adding your credit card information, then you uh, open the app and there is a little button on the app that says scan. So you point your phone at one of two QR codes on the bike and uh, that will unlike, unlock the bike for you. Now, when you Get done with your ride. We encourage you to return it to one of our station hubs. That way somebody else can find the bike and use it when you're done. And uh, then the app is going to ask you to take a picture of the bike properly locked, which we do review, and then your ride ends. So I live in downtown. I walk over to the Greenbelt a couple times a day to walk my dog. And I went by um, one of the uh, bike racks and I thought, oh, that'd be fun to to hop on it. But I want to have two of them. There's only one. I want my husband to be on the other one. Is there a way to know before you go to the bike rack that there are two available to you? Or do you just show up and if there's one available, there's one available? Open the app. Okay. Look at the map. And then on the map, Every place where there are bikes deployed, there will be a little circle and it will have uh, the number of bikes available at that particular station hub. And if you tap on that number, say it's the bike hub closest to you, it will also give you a list of all of the bikes, their numbers, and how well charged the battery is. So let's say you want to take a ride out to Lucky Peak. 
don't take the bike with only 10% charge. Take the one with 90%. Smart call. Yeah, that's a great pro tip, Dave. (laughs) And you don't need to return it to the same location. You can drop it off at another one of the the stations, another one of the bike racks. That's what I heard, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, We have designated station hubs, and we also have a few what we call flex hubs, which are uh, popular places for people to leave bikes. This is all based on data from our previous system. We have a a fairly constrained service area. It's mostly downtown, the north end, and it goes as far west as uh, 27th Street. And on the east side, it's bounded by Broadway and then south to include the Boise State Campus. So uh, within that, we have maybe 20, 25 hubs where you can leave the bikes without a penalty. If you lock it up to another bike rack that is not one of our designated hubs, there will be a convenience fee of $2. And the way we have the system set up, you're not able to end your trip outside the service area. We do that because we don't want them all over the place. Well, and we've seen uh, scooters all over the place, which of course is not a Valley Regional Transit program at all. So I can imagine why you wouldn't want that. I guess I wonder, Dave, you mentioned where the constraints of the the actual geographic location, how far the bikes are, where the hubs are and the bike racks to return them, you know, pretty central over locations where there's already bike infrastructure, bike lanes, sharrows, the green belt. So I guess that kind of begs the question, who's your target ridership with this? Because, you know, those are all locations where a lot of people who already ride bikes that are not motorized already are doing so. Well, that's a that's a great question. And uh, it's kind of a complicated answer because it's based on a number of things. One, we had all of this infrastructure from the Boise Green Bike System that we just left on the street. It was easier to leave it there than move it and try to put it back. Two, we got funding for this pilot program from the uh, Capital City Development Corporation. And uh, under the terms of our agreement with them, 75% of the bikes must be deployed within one of their urban renewal districts or within a thousand feet of one of their urban renewal districts. Mm. So there's kind of an overlap of uh, those qualifications there. What we would like to see as far as the audience is the people who live, work, and visit downtown. We are also trying to do some outreach to the low-income people who live near or in downtown. So we've done some outreach to the homeless shelters, and uh, we have a special program for them that offers them a very low-cost monthly membership and an hour of free ride time a day. Okay. Um, And then beyond that, well... There's tourists, and I think they're the ones who are uh, primarily riding the bikes on weekends. So how will you know what success is with the pilot program and to pivot to making this a permanent permanent thing in Boise? Well, with only 50 bikes, we're sort of limited on where we can deploy the bikes and where they can be used. Even with our old system with 127 bikes, we couldn't be everything to everyone. So what we're hoping to do is just demonstrate that people like these bikes, they will ride them, and uh, that sponsors seeing that will come in and say, yeah, we're going to support that and we're going to make it a permanent system and we'll help you uh, make it bigger. But uh, I would consider success uh, being able to achieve an average of one ride per bike per day. 
Now, so far, we've been doing pretty well on weekends. We've been coming close to that. But during the week, we uh, have fallen far short of that. And uh, I think it's because we don't have enough people who work downtown using the bikes instead of driving, mm. uh, maybe to, to go to lunch or to go to the gym, something like that. So we are doing some outreach through our CityGo program to some of their employer groups to see if we can't get them to uh, join the network and get their employees on these bikes during the week. Okay. I guess I wondered too, you know, uh, we have seen since COVID, obviously, a lot of people who used to work in downtown are, are working from home now. Do you feel like there's enough of a demand potentially for this, for, for that target um, ridership that you're looking for? I do. And it's only getting more dense downtown. We have uh, new buildings going up all the time. Some of them are office buildings. Some of them are condos and apartments. I don't think that we're going to have a shortage of people downtown. Uh, but my goals with this program are to be able to serve more than just downtown Boise. I would love to expand it east, west, and south. In fact, we've already received comments from people who want these bikes up on the bench. Can you blame them? That's a hill. Right. It was hard to get up <laughs> with the old uh, system, and very few people did. Mm -hmm. So it's also a system being run by the Transit Authority, Valley Regional Transit. And we want to make these bikes uh, useful to people beyond just having fun. So to have people get on these bikes and use it for that first or last mile to a transit stop. Mm. So as we build this system out, we will probably build out along our premium bus routes. Uh, right now, there are three of them. There's the number nine that goes along State Street, the uh, 7A and 7B along Fairview, and the number three that goes out to the airport along Vista. So those are all prime territory for us to build bike share stations along those routes and allow people to use the bikes to get to and from home, or maybe they work out that way. That is also one of our goals, to have this system support transit. You know, one thing I noticed, Dave, when I did download the app was there was one negative review that I could see on my iPhone. Um, and it talked about in particular uh, that folks need a smartphone with Wi-Fi or cell service to use the service. Um, and of course, that leaves out people who don't have a smartphone, maybe low income folks or just folks who don't have a smartphone for various reasons. How are you addressing that issue in particular, but just thinking about accessibility in general as well? We're aware of the issue. And uh, it's something we, we want to address, but because this is a pilot program with only 50 bikes and very limited funding, we didn't have the resources to ask our vendor to create an alternative system for people to be able to rent the bikes. One thing we have envisioned is the possibility of having those people call into our customer service line and uh, having a bike unlocked remotely. That is still something on the table. We just don't have the infrastructure to do it right now. We're fully aware of the uh, limitations of some people with uh, smartphone accessibility because we deal with them all the time with our bus system. It's something that when we can make this system uh, permanent, uh, we will address in some fashion. We just don't know the parameters of it right now. Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier around 
the sponsorship piece of this, of course, to make this a viable program in the long term, you were looking for, I think I read it was $50,000 that the Capital City Development Corporation put up as potentially um, matching funds. But I think it said in the press release I read that it was the 1st of September that that expires. How, how much have you received in matching so far for sponsorships? So far, we have uh, $20,000 in sponsors, and uh, CCDC has matched that. So we're, we're still out there trying to pursue $30,000 more to meet that match. And what that money will do is help us cover our operating expenses. And uh, if we can gather even more sponsorship, we can bring in more bikes. And uh, we can assure that we will have at least these 50 bikes if we meet that match. Yeah. Well, uh, to take you back a little bit to, to green the Green Bike Program, which, of course, um, I know you ran. We talked about that at the beginning of the conversation. I know that sponsorships was one of the elements of that program. There were other reasons why it ended. So what lessons do you think you learned from that program that you're trying to apply now? I guess if we learned any lessons from that is, first, no pandemics. Yep. Number one. <laughs> Number one rule. <laughs> As we pursue sponsors, I think we have to be careful that we understand where each of us is coming from. Do they really want to support a system that uh, supports the entire community or is it just something that looks good in marketing for them? Mm. And then technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dave, how did that feel, I guess, not to not to scratch that old wound if it is a wound? I don't know um, when you did have to close down that program, because, of course, you were ch the champion of it and uh, you're the champion of, of this particular program, I would say. How did it feel when you had to had to close that down? I felt defeated and uh, it just killed me to have to lay off my employees. It took me quite a while to, to come out of that. And I am forever grateful to my boss, Kelly Betasheim, for keeping me on and finding other things for me to do so that I could uh, try to revive this program. It took a couple of years, but here we are. We're back. So how are you feeling about the e-bike program just in general? And I know that it's, it's so new, but obviously you feel like this is something that Boise wants, needs? How do you feel about the, the potential for, for success here? I uh, have to remain optimistic. I can't be in this business if I'm not an optimist. I think people really enjoy the bikes. We have uh, been getting four and five star reviews through the app and uh, people think the bikes are fun. They help them get around town. I see this as a great way to get people out of their cars and uh, it increases the distance that people can travel by bike, especially in the triple digit heat that we've been having lately. Yes. Uh, you're not <laughs> exerting as much effort and therefore not getting as sweaty. Okay. Tell me about uh, an e-bike ride that you've had recently. Tell me about uh, a time that you really uh, enjoyed your ride. I have been taking the bikes home every once in a while and I live in the Highlands. So from uh, the north end up to my house is 200 vertical feet. It helps me get up that hill easier than on my pedal only bike. And uh, that's a win. Especially in the triple digit heat, as you said, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, thanks so much for uh, coming on CityCast uh, Boise and telling us about the e-bike program. And yeah, hope, 
Hope you guys uh, have success. Um, I need to hop on one of these bikes and give it a try sometime soon. All right. Well, thank you for the opportunity and uh, stay cool. And before you head out, yes, Californians are still moving to Idaho in droves, but it turns out almost as many Idahoans are moving away. According to a U of I report, last year, Washington and Oregon gained the most gem state expats. Too early to say how all this shaking up will affect Boise's politics and culture, but ask me again in 10 years. Did you know we have a free daily newsletter? Think of it as a guide to Boise from your in-the-know neighbor. We'll put a sign-up link in the show notes so you won't miss another thing. Thanks for listening to the show, and I'll see you back here on Thursday for more local stories. See you then.